Alright, welcome to another episode of Guys at the Roundtable, and today's episode, we're going to be talking about unequal playing fields in sports. Uh, what do we mean by this? Well, tune in and we'll find out. Guys at the Roundtable starts now. Welcome to Guys of the Roundtable, a show where no stone goes unturned. Grab a chair and join us at the table. Here's your host, Vladimir all John Felipe. Alright, 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 alright. I'm your boy, Vladimir John Felipe. And with me today is Andrew Peace. How you doing, Tim? You know, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a while since uh, we've been on here. Been a while since, well, not a while since we've been on here. You've been, uh, you know, pumping stuff out, but it's uh, been about a month since I've been on here. But, uh, you know, it's good to be back. Hey, it's good to have you back, brother. It's good to have you back. And this is Guys at the Roundtable. And as I stated in the beginning, today we're going to be talking about the unequal playing fields in sports. And what do we mean by this? Well, Lately, I've been on the interwebs. Um, I've been busy as heck, but you know, when I get some downtown, uh, I get to like surf the webs a little bit, and I've been seeing a lot of, mm, like, a lot of things that just seems weird to me. Right? Uh, one of the biggest perpetrators is like there's these transgender men or women. I don't know how the hell you could you you what whatever you call them because it, to me it just blows my brain i can't really wrap my head around it but um a lot of men that think they're women so they identify as women has been going into some female competitions and just been smashing records left and right and also um in the mma world there's a lot of these transgender men that goes you know that think they're women and or transgender these men that think they're women i don't know how the fucking perfect the terms is but anyways men that think they're women go into the mma cage and they fight these girls and they pretty much just smash them right like the one fight uh the one girl ended up with a broken skull because she fought a man essentially and so i, I think that's pretty unfair right and also we're going to be talking about uh sports franchises that you know that really don't have a leg up to kind of catch like a big name free agent uh in the market like in basketball you have kevin durant that went to golden state right and everybody threw a hissy fit about that but realistically other teams cannot afford to pay a kevin durant max salary and then put players around him so is it fair that these small market teams cannot you know go after a big name free agent um, also in football, basketball, hockey, and baseball as well. Like you see all these ridiculous contracts getting paid to these baseball players, and then kind of ties them over for seven, ten years in their you know rosters, and they can't go get you know other players to supplement that big name free agent. So we're gonna be talking a little bit about that. And so to start off a little bit, we're gonna talk about this transgender issue because to me, I think it's fucked up. And I don't know where Andy stands on it, but we're going to get his opinion here in a little bit. But I think it's messed up that a man who identifies as a woman um, goes into a woman's sport and just totally dominates the whole situation. To me, I think that's messed up because I look at it from this perspective. I'm giving I'm going to have a daughter. Right. I, I, I'm soon like I'm in the crunch time now of the pregnancy. Right. Or it's like this kid can come anytime now. Right. And it's a girl. How would I feel if a man came into her sport and just started dominating her? If I were going to be honest with you, I think, well, I, I okay, so for legal purposes, I won't say what I would do. 
but I would be pretty upset, right? So I don't know that, you know, I, I, I don't find that funny. I don't find it to be fair. And I think it's messed up, to be honest with you. So I'm going to kind of like <laughs> shut up a little bit and then just kind of get Andy's opinions on this a little bit. And then we're going to go back and forth with the whole thing. So, Andy, how do you feel about this whole men going into women's sports, identifying as women, going into their sports and competing and just smashing all their records? You know, I have... Um... I feel the same way you do. I have some strong opinions on it. Um, and, you know, that's what we're here to give the opinions on. You know, th mm -hmm. this is very equal to the teenager that goes and plays basketball, goes to the park and plays basketball when he sees the seven-year-olds there and blocks their shots and just like <laughs> taunting them and like, yeah, what now? I'm better than you. It's like, well, you should be better than me. You're eight years older than me. You're twice as old as me. Like, come on. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the, you know, when you know when we were early in high school if we'd go out and play basketball and all of a sudden these 25 year olds would come up and they just ball us out of the place like well yeah you kind of expect that to happen you're outmatched you're outclassed and that's not you know okay there's probably going to be some femi so, some ultra feminine feminists on the other side of the the here thing <laughs> listening to this saying oh what are you saying we're weak no i'm not saying you're weak i'm just simply saying that this is the case of simply somebody finding a place where they can succeed and i mean i guess they're technically playing by the rules you know they're converting i mean yeah as as messed up as that sounds like i don't know why i don't know why you would want to do that you know for for one reason but you know it's basically saying i am inadequate in the men's field so i'm gonna go over to the women's field and you know show them what's what yeah and it's kind of messed up in my opinion it's like yeah okay so you're trying to tell me that you as an individual cannot compete in your own gender i guess you could say and then you're coming over to not necessarily like, like you said, women are not, I'm not saying women are weak or anything like that, but I'm just saying is that as a man, you do have some biological advantages when it comes to strength and athletic performance over a woman, right? So, and it's a, it's a factor. So I don't care about these ultra feminine women's trying to say, oh, we could do the same thing. No, <laughs> the fuck you can't. You, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but I, if you lift 300 pounds, I bet you I could do 350, 300. Like, I bet you I could do more. You know what I'm saying? Now, there's some outliers in the female, you know, in the female competitors. Exactly. There's some outliers. There's always outliers everywhere. But as a man, if you feel the need to go compete against women to kind of dignify your sports prowess, I, you're a piece of shit. I'm sorry to say it. You yeah. are. I don't care if you identify as a woman. I don't care if you if you are a... a, a Whatever, I don't know that whole world because I don't really care about it because to me it's stupid, but um, I'm not trying to be like one of those, you know, I guess you could say bigots or whatever, but I'm just saying, to me, it's dumb to think that you're a guy who thinks that you're a girl. It doesn't make no goddamn sense, but anywho's to go and compete well, against well, I these mean, girls. I, I mean, we're talking two different things here. You know, if someone is, you know, specifically trans and is, you know, involved in trans because mm. they're truly trans that's a completely okay. different story now if we're talking yeah. about someone who couldn't make it 
in a male, in a, you know, on the male portion of a sport and decides to go get his ding dong chopped off so that he can beat the women. You know, that, that is what is messed up, you know? <laughs> and I think that's what we're talking about here is the, pe- well, is the guys that are basically, well, but to be fair though, it, there's a difference between, you know, someone truly identifying themselves with an opposite gender and going, okay. you know, uh, well, it, it, there's a big sense, difference yeah. with that. You know, it, it's no different than, you know, um, people that have disabilities that could compete with everybody else, but are, you know, that choose to compete with the people with disabilities. You know, whether that is, you know, because they identify more with those people or not, you know, that's different. My thought is the way you get rid of this is simply have a trans category. Yep. You know, that's how you get rid of it. That's how you get rid of it. I mean, you have the Special Olympics. Why can't you have the Trans Olympics? Yeah, I get it. Just saying. yeah, well, I, I agree with that assessment, too, because to be honest with you, it's like I look at it and it's just like, yep, just separate them away because it's not just men going into a female sport either. Yeah. It's also women. Um, It's women that like there's this one girl in Texas who's a wrestler. Um, I've been following this story because it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, She's a girl and she's been take. She thinks she's a guy. Right. So she's a transgender male, a, a female or whatever. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, she's yeah, a male. Yeah. She's a female that thinks she's a male. And she's been taking testosterone to kind of, you know, increase her testosterone so she can make that transition into males. She tried to wrestle with the boys, but the Texas lawmakers, I believe, said that she was born a female. So she has yep. to wrestle with the females. Now, hence, she's taking testosterone, right? She's on to testosterone. Like, so she was yeah, disqualified to from competing so, with the women. The, with the boys, yeah. So she has to uh, wrestle with the girls. So she's been taking testosterone, and dude, she's been smashing. <laughs> she's yeah. been smashing the women's division in the Texas wrestling. Like she won states, like easily. Like she easily yep. won states. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, wow. So it, it, it's getting kind of, you know, it's getting kind of crazy in my opinion that you know you got these things going around. So a good way is to just have a separate uh, thing for them. One, I feel like everything is so cut and dry. Everything is, you know, there's no gray area for it. And quite frankly, if, if, um, like I said, if there's a true feeling that you identify yourself as the opposite gender, you know, fine. You know, mm-hmm. tr- make the transition. You know, once you're fully transitioned, that's what you should be known as. But if you're doing it specifically for gain um, in any way, shape, or form, then there has to be another way about it it's it's the same way with you know we we've talked about this before you know transfers in high school sports uh you know what what was that athletically motivated or was that not you know why can you make an athletic why can't you make an athletically motivated transfer but you can make an academically motivated transfer like isn't something messed up with our you know, everything when you can make one, but not the other, you know, it, it's, you know, not trying to, you know, go off subject or anything, but, you know, there's a difference between someone legitimately wanting to make the transition. And like I said, someone trying to just get, you know, a different hand, you know, with, with, um, you know, there, you hear stories about girls all the time wanting to play football and teams saying, no, you mm-hmm. can't because you're a girl. Well, what if they decide, okay, well, then I don't want to be a girl anymore. I want to be, I want to be a boy. And they say, well, now you, you can't because you, tra- you trans, you, you know, you're a trans, you know, you're not actually a boy, so you can't do this. You know, that 
you know, that to me is messed up. My thought is, you know, let them participate how they want to. You know, if, if you don't have a, a, the same equal sport for girls, then you need to allow the girls to play. If, same with if you don't allow the sport for boys, allow the boys to play with the girls. You know, that's just how I feel. Because, you know, I don't think there should be any reason to exclude anyone from their desire to participate in an activity. Well, okay, if you want to participate in an activity, cool. That's that's one thing. But if you want to be competitive in a sport that's male-dominated and you're a female, if you can compete, yeah, sure, go ahead. But it's you're going to be at a disadvantage, um, regardless of what you, you know, what your feelings well, yes. are. But anywho's. You know what I mean? It's going to be at a disadvantage. And people just need to understand that. Now, if you want to take that route and you want to, you know, fight those hurdles and overcome that obstacles, kudos. Go do it. But to, to kind of bring it back and be like, okay, I'm a guy. I can't compete with the with the dudes in my level. So I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to trend. You know, I'm going to say I'm a girl and then go compete with the girls and then just start smashing all their records. I don't think that's right, in my opinion. I think that's the dumbest shit ever, personally. So, you know, yeah, that to me is is a cowardice in a sense because it's like you're looking at it yeah. as this is an easy way to get to where I need to get to. Now, to me, that's really messed up because I like I get the hustle. Like, I, I get it. You're trying to make your money. You're trying to whatever, you know, whatever you got to do, you whatever you got to do. But to go do that, to me, that's like, that's asinine, essentially. It's like, dude, come on, man. Like, you really can't compete with the guys, so you're just going to go beat up on the girls? Like, what kind of person are you? You're a piece of shit person. That's who you are. Yeah, exactly. It's it, Again, I, you know, compare it to the playground mentality, and you see that, like, 25 year old guy that goes up to the group of like 12 year olds and challenges them to a game of basketball and beats exactly them. or you know and then you know they go up to a group of you know 15 year old girls and beats them and you're like yo why don't you come play with us now nah, i'm good over here you're like you know <laughs> you know it, it, you know it's like well why why don't you come over and play with us we need one more person now nah, i'm good i'm good i'm good running one on four i'm good running one on four well yeah that's because you're winning that's because you know you're not gonna be exposed you're not gonna you know you know and and for some people you know that's a difficult thing to take and you know you know but well there is um there, there was something you said that kind of sparked me a little bit. I, okay, I wouldn't say spark. And I know a lot of people have an issue with, um, you know, the, the big thing is, you know, if you have the female version of the male sport, then you shouldn't be playing. And I, you said something like, um, if you think you can hang with the guys, go ahead, try it, you know, but you won't succeed, you know, or whatever. I, I don't know if you said it to that exact no, I was just way. saying if you think but, if you um, want to overcome those obstacles of compete, if you're a girl and want to compete with the guys and you want to jump over those hurdles and, you know, try to overcome those obstacles, kudos to you. I get it. But just be just let it be known that they're not going to bend the rules to satisfy you. It's like if you can if you think you can go compete with the guys, go try it. I'm all for it. But don't think that they should bend the rules for you is what I'm saying. Okay, then then maybe I am more on board with you, but but still, what you said sort of triggered something in me, and the fact that you know, and I just read this recently that um w there was a WNBA player, I think it was the reigning MVP that 
has suffered a serious injury playing overseas in the offseason. And several oh, people okay. said, well, what is she doing playing overseas in the offseason? Shouldn't she be getting ready for the season? Well, when you only make $50,000 a year as like one of the highest paid WNBA players, you've got to find another way to make some money. And, True. you know, that there was another figure there were some other figures that were presented in that that were just mind blowing but mm-hmm. yet there's players there were good female basketball players that were refused the opportunity to even attempt to play with the men i mean the lowest the lowest nba salary i think is probably like 500 to 600,000 dollars which is over 10 times the amount of the highest WNBA salary. You know, there, there's got to be something said about that. And, you know, kudos to um, U.S. soccer for recognizing the value of their women in that program because their women are compensated mm-hmm. just as well as the men are, which, you know, well, good for them. In my opinion, I think the U.S. the women's U.S. soccer team should be compensated more than the men because they garner more views, more attention, more commercial, and way more support than the men's soccer team, I think, personally. Okay, and to be fair, if you were to rank sports professionally, your your prospects of making it big on the Mm -hmm. women's side of things, where would you rank soccer among the fold? Maybe second behind Uh, basketball? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Oh, no, it would be third behind golf. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so you'd rank it behind basketball and golf, okay? Uh, golf okay. first, basketball se- for women. Okay. Well, golf whatever, first, basketball you know. second, then soccer. Okay, where would you rank that same sport in men? Uh, for like women, like men's soccer. Yeah, like for the amount of money, if 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 you're running a youth program, like oh mm-hmm. crap, I bumped my thing. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. If you're running a youth program, like a, a youth athletic facility, and you're saying mm-hmm. to these kids, if you play this sport from the time you, you're three years old, right, you know, or from the time you're five, let's say you're dealing with kindergartners at this point. If you play mm-hmm. this sport from the time you're five and you're really into it and you keep at it, you're going to make the most money and get the, you're going to become the biggest star you can. On the women's side, yeah, I, I Soccer's definitely top three, if not number yeah. one. I'd honestly say number one because, you know, what the U.S. women's soccer team does, winning World Cups, you know, having all that success, yeah, that's pretty impressive. I mean, women's yeah. basketball, that's that's up there too. But, you know, I would say those are right up there. You know, golf, yeah, I mean, okay, I can get that. But can you really name a women's golfer right now? I can't. They're not household um, names. They're no, not they're household, not household names. names. Not like they but, used to be. But on the tour circuit, they're like in the golf uh, community, in the golf world, and globally, they are yes, household names. Exactly. Just because we don't know it. And yes. women's golf is actually way more popular around the globe than exactly. it is uh, basketball or anything like that. But, so. but you could say the same thing about soccer. Then you're, you know, mm-hmm. I'm talking That's about simply the popularity in the states that are going to make you popular, that are going to make you famous, that are going to make you a lot of money. You know, okay, so for, then for I'll women, rank it. Then it okay. would be tennis first, tennis yep. first, okay, absolutely because second, Serena golf and third, Venus, and then golf. Yep, and then golf would probably or not golf. Um, women's basketball would be like four somewhere on that list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Simply because you don't. The, who wants to go to the WNBA? You you make your peak in women's basketball in college. 
That is sad, that. but true though. Because uh, who was the best basketball uh, player? That chick from Oregon. I forget her name, but uh, she literally bypassed the uh, to go to the WNBA in her senior to come back for her senior season. That told me well, yeah. everything I needed to know about the WNBA the, because yeah, you're not making the much education, money. Yeah, the education they are getting is going to be far worth more than the WNBA is going to be. So that same question I asked for the women's side. What are you ranking the men's side of the most lucrative careers that if you tell the kid, if they stay at it, if they dedicate everything to it, I'm telling, I'm talking about a kid who has pure raw athletic talent, not just, you know, some okay. Joe Schmo that you find on the playground or whatever. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. talking about like the peak athletes. Where okay. are you going to direct them? Okay. So for the men's? Yes. Um, okay. So for men's, it would be basketball number one. NFL quarterback number two, um, golf number three, and baseball number four. Maybe baseball number three, golf number four. And then okay. soccer would be like in the top ten, but not quite. Like closer to like the bottom ten instead of the top half ten, if that makes any sense. Ex- so it would be like more 11 okay. through 20 kind of uh, ranking. Yeah. So I think you found the problem right there. I mean – I would go into, you know, martial arts ahead of soccer, telling a kid to play soccer. And unless they've got, you know, the ability, (laughs) unless they've got the ability to market themselves to Europe, you know, I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, then you're talking a whole different ball game, you know, like Christian Pulisic. Yeah. You know, he's got himself marketed into Europe. He's one of one of the top young stars in the entire world, not just in America. He's an outlier, you know, and maybe that changes our outlook on it. But right there, you have the exact reason why mm-hmm. men's soccer isn't looked upon as well, because you're getting a sixth or seventh tier athlete. Could you imagine if some of those athletes that some of those top athletes are instead of choosing basketball or football are instead choosing Mm -hmm. to be a defender or a striker to play soccer, how much better the U S team would be. It'd be much better. Um, Wasn't it that one rant that one dude was talking about uh, when the U.S. didn't make the World Cup that year? Uh, He went off on the uh, tangent and was talking about, like, we need better athletes. Um, One of his points was we need better athletes. We need better top-tier talent because what we're getting is the third, the what you just said, the six and seven-tier athletes. No, it wasn't Alexi Lawless. uh, or It wasn't him. It was a young kid. Ah, crap. What is his name? It was a young cat. Uh, we could, go- yeah. It was on. He was on uh, FS1 okay. Sports when he went off, or was oh, he on ESPN? Oh man, I know, I know who you're talking about. Uh, but yes, I remember the rant, and he's exactly right. I've been saying that for years and years. Could you imagine if we had, it, it, uh, we mean in the U.S. had, mm-hmm. you know, a midfielder like with the Taylor Twelman, and yes, Taylor Twelman. Yep. Yep, that's Taylor it. Twelman. I, yep, I loved him when he played. Um, imagine if we had a midfielder with the vision and ability to pass like Stephen Curry. That would be awesome. <laughs> imagine if we had a that goalkeeper awesome. with the ability to jump like Kevin Durant. Well, uh, I would go with LeBron James, but yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But I mean, y- you know what I mean. I uh, yeah, know, yeah, I feel if, you. If we had a striker, <laughs> if we had a striker with the killer instinct of LeBron James, that's where I was going with LeBron. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, then our our soccer team would be beastly. Exactly. We'd be the or, best in the world. You know, and but you know, granted, those are some of the A plus caliber athletes. But if you look at a country like Germany, at Spain, at France, some of these countries, Brazil, these countries that are really good at soccer, what else do these athletes have to do? What else? What else is better in those countries? Pro sports wise, other than perspective wise, other than that's that, true. You don't see baseball players coming from England. You you see baseball That's players coming either from America, Latin America, or Japan. Yep, that's very true. Because you know, it's a it's a it's a second option for them. Yeah, football players you see come from America. Basketball players, Mostly. some of them come from Europe. But if you look at and hockey players, you know hockey mm-hmm. might be that other thing for those people, those players in Europe. But yeah, you know, that's if true. you're talking, yeah, if you look at a lot of these other countries, they have maybe one, maybe two other options that they would put ahead or equal to soccer. And you know, in most cases, soccer is a number one. You know, and and that's just simply a product of where they value the sport. So, you know. I understand what you're saying with um, that the women soccer team deserves to be paid more because of their success. I agree. But at the same time, I think we need to continue to fund the men's program because there has to be a way to bring those in so that that team can become just as successful. Because as I said, we do have the potential. We have these players with extreme skill. We have very high caliber athletes, but it's just not translating, you know? So, um, you know, I'm not sure entirely what the answer is. Um, but I'm looking up here at the, um, MLS salary, uh, salaries Mm -hmm. and, just because I'm curious and, you know, um, but, you know, to go off what I'm saying, you know, saying the most lucrative sport to play in the world is soccer. Because, I mean, if you look at the top 10 highest paid athletes in the world in yeah. any sport, majority of them are men's soccer players. Yeah, um, but they're from Europe, though. That's the that's the problem. Well, though. yeah. The, the highest paid MLS player last year was Sebastian Giovinco, and he made $7.115 million. Jeez. And Michael Bradley was the second highest paid player at $6.5 million. Damn. Okay. And the highest, <laughs> the, highest, the highest payroll in the league was Toronto FC by far. It was $26.5 million. Huh. Huh. Yep. Yeah, it's also worth remembering that the MLS salary budget is just four million. <laughs> Jeez. And, and and then they added, so spending is way up. Mm-hmm. Spending well, is up. Okay. Spending is up when it's four million. Think about that. That is crazy. Like thinking that about that for crazy. just a minute, like that is absurd. That is pretty crazy, though. But the, uh, what is the number one lucrative sport, though, in the world, though? You are listening to the Guys of the Roundtable podcast. For show notes and more episodes, visit gotrpodcast.com. Now, back to the show.
Is that like basketball? Soccer. Soccer. Soccer is the number one most lucrative sport. It has to be. It has to be. The world's highest paid athletes in 2018, according to Forbes. It's loading right now. I'm going to go through them. And we can, we, I think we'll be able to figure this out really quickly. Okay. What, um, what is the most lucrative sport? Uh, the most lucrative sport, I think, is basketball because their average salary is $4.9 million a year. That's average salary. Okay. Average salary, yes. But how many players are on a team? What happened? You know, there's only 15. The yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah. Okay, so it's if they have a 15 man roster. The, yep, the top 10. Number one, Floyd Mayweather. This was being paid yeah. last year. Number two, Lionel Messi, soccer. Number three, Cristiano Ronaldo, soccer. Number four, Conor McGregor, mm -hmm. mixed martial arts. Number five, Neymar, soccer. Um. Number six, LeBron James. Number seven, Roger LeBron Federer. James. Number eight, Steph Curry. Number nine, Matt Ryan. Number ten, Matthew Stafford. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Look at that. Matthew tenth, Stafford and Matt tenth, Ryan are the top ten. <laughs> ninth and tenth highest paid athletes in the world. That's crazy. Yeah. You want to know how much money <laughs> Floyd Mayweather made last year? Who this? May Mayweather? Oh yeah. He made more than number two and three combined. How much money did he... Oh, he made 285, didn't he? 285 million last year. Lionel Messi made $111 million. $84 million was his salary. $27 million from endorsements. Jesus. That's another reason why soccer is so lucrative because of the endorsements. Cristiano Ronaldo made $47 million in endorsements last year. He made how much in endorsements? $47 million. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Roger Federer made $12.2 million from winnings, $65 million in endorsements. Jesus. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and if we continue down the top 10 list, there's a bunch of basketball players because, again, while the salaries are high for the best players, they also get pretty good endorsements because, you know, they, yep. they have good endorsement plans. So, um, yeah, but, I mean, you have some golfers on there. You have some race car drivers on there, some tennis, more tennis players, um, more football quarterbacks because, again, you know, that was a, that was a good one that you picked out there quarterback quarterback because yeah you know mo most other positions it's like you know whatever they're dime a dozen quarterback yep pretty much because it's hard to well okay in the nfl it's they say it's hard to find a quarterback but realistically it's not hard to find a good quarterback in the nfl in my opinion here's the problem with the quarterbacking in the nfl is that these coaches needed a freakishly elite athlete at a quarterback to make their system work and that's the problem um i don't think like every year there's quarterbacks that come out of the draft that like done hella good in college and then they get to the nfl and then it's just like they yep. fizzled why because the system in the nfl sucks uh, like these coaches are hard-headed they're old school mentality they're like you know it, it wasn't until like a couple years ago that the nfl coaches decided to like run the air raid system in the nfl um 
their philosophy was get yourself a good running back, get yourself a, an elite uh, lineman, and then you get yourself a decent plug-and-play quarterback who manages the yeah. system. And then it was that way for the longest time. And then you got a couple of offensive gurus that come in. It's like, well, you could take the college system and implant it in the NFL system and then just run it in a no-huddle format, uh, which was uh, Chip Kelly was no, uh, notorious for doing this. And I think he kind of changed the mold a little bit. But um, then now all of a sudden you got to go get these elite, elite, elite quarterbacks to kind of quote unquote do the throwing in the NFL. But realistically, I think any quarterback can come in and do the job. It's just that these coaches are so hard headed. It's just that they don't want to um, <laughs> give these kids a chance. I, I'm, I hate to say it, but it's true. They have this archaic format in their brains that, you know, you need to be you need to have your quarterback at six foot five with a rocket of an arm and he needs to have good pocket presence. It's like, no, bro. You need mobile quarterbacks to run and buy some time, and then they can throw the ball. Like Baker Mayfield and yeah. Kyler Murray next year. Russell Wilson been doing it for years. Yeah. So, well, well, I think the biggest problem with that isn't. It does definitely have to do with what you're talking, but mm-hmm. I think the biggest part is everybody wants Tom Brady. No one is happy with Ben Roethlisberger. That's very true too. You know, everyone wants Peyton and everybody Manning. Talks no one's happy with Eli Manning. Well, Eli Manning is starting to lose some of his Well, I'm not talking about right bit. now Eli <laughs> Manning. I'm talking about five, six years ago Eli Manning. You know, everyone wants Drew Brees. No one wants Phillip Rivers. That's a good point, too. But Phillip Rivers, I think, has a very good, oh, very I, good I, career. Phillip Rivers is a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. He's, yes, I agree. He, you know, he's the Dan Marino of our time. Yes. I'm not I'm, just, I am not saying he is as good as Dan Marino. Someone's going to go posting that somewhere like, "Oh, this guy said he Philip Rivers is Dan Marino." No, I did not. I said he's the <laughs> Dan Marino of our time. Dan Marino got looked over by John Elway. He got looked over by all those other quarterbacks simply because they want a ring. Now, yep. if you would side-by-side compare Philip Rivers' numbers to all the quarterbacks of this era, you know, the Eli Mannings, the Ben Roethlisbergers, the Drew Breeses, the Tom Brady's, you know, all those mm-hmm. quarterbacks that played over that similar time period as him, his numbers I would put up there if not better than all of them. Yeah, I, I think his— I, I'm just like, going to say it, you know. It's up. It's comparable. I think the only quarterback in his draft class he didn't do better than was Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, oh, I would take his numbers all day over Ben's. Are you serious? Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, so Eli, Man- or Eli Manning. Philip Rivers is actually underrated. But now here's the thing, though. Philip Rivers plays in, in, in San Diego. Now, what's the market like in San Diego? It's not that high compared to Pittsburgh. And then you compare it to uh, New York, where the New York media is your best friend or your worst enemy. So Eli Manning's numbers look like they got pumped up because the New York media talks about him all the time. Whereas in San Diego, Philip Rivers is, is quietly just smashing records and owning all these things, and then nobody's really talking about him. Why? Because he's in the San Diego market. So the playing field there is kind of uneven because the market is uneven, in my opinion. You got Pittsburgh, like you got Ben in Pittsburgh, who has like a it's like a made a major market media, right? And then you got Eli Manning in New York, which is like the media capital of the world, apparently. Um, uh, everybody likes to crown it as the cr- the ground mecca for media sports. You know what I mean? Sports media. Uh, exposure and whatnot so i i think i agree with you there i would take philip rivers's numbers 
over all of those guys that you said it. And I kind of quick looked it up. And I was just like, oh, yeah, Philip Rivers did have a great career. He's the first ballot yeah. Hall of Famer. He just doesn't have a ring. Yeah. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's career numbers, 64% completions, <clears throat> um, 363 touchdowns, 190 interceptions. Um crap ton of yards you know in 216 <laughs> games 216 games 56,194 yards you know okay good damn philip philip rivers in 212 games so four games less he's thrown for about 2,000 yards less so i mean you know four games 2,000 yards you know whatever ben has more yardage so okay we'll give ben the advantage there 64.5 percent you know, we'll call it a draw there. Uh, 374 mm-hmm. touchdowns. He's thrown 11 more touchdowns, and he's had 12 less interceptions. There in you four go. less games. You know, so, you know, they're very comparable quarterbacks, but, you know, I think if you're looking strictly at numbers and what they've had to work with. I mean, think about the receivers that Roethlisberger has had, and I'm saying this as a Steelers fan. You know, think about the receivers he's had, and then think about, you know, some of the receivers that, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the last couple of years, Eli Manning has had Odell Beckham Jr. as his top target. Uh, only recently have Phil- has Philip Rivers gotten, you know, a decent wide receiver in Keenan Allen oh goodness, and everybody else. You know what I mean? So for years, for years, uh, uh, Philip Rivers' top receiver was Antonio Gates and LaDainian Tomlinson when they were playing together. So he was literally throwing it to yep. a bunch of no-name wide receivers, a big-name tight end, and a running back who was shifty as hell. So, you know what I mean? So Philip Rivers didn't have that much help. Now, Ben Roethlisberger had That's Jerome Bettis. He had Heinz. Yeah, had Jerome Bettis, Heinz Ward, uh, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. You could list off all the good wide receivers that uh, Ben Roethlisberger had. And also, Ben was a beneficiary of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. You see what I'm saying? And so, you know what I'm saying? So, all that combined, so it kind of makes it look like Ben Roethlisberger had the better career than Phillip Rivers. But Ben, uh, they've had comparable numbers. Yeah, and it simply goes down to... Ben won a couple rings. Yep, but that I, I honestly I think that's one of the better draft classes for quarterbacks in, oh in my, my goodness, in recent yeah. years or recent memory. Yeah, that's one of the better draft classes. But that's still there. You go <laughs> uneven playing fields, man. <laughs> yep, absolutely. But yeah, so you know when we talk about these these you know fairness of everything, I mean. Does Philip Rivers get like get the sh- the shit end of the stick? I think so because, like I said, he's playing in a San Diego media more than he's playing in a big market media. Had Philip oh, Rivers LA gone to now. New York, it's was that? LA, it's L.A. now. Well, now it's L.A. because it's a bigger quote unquote media market, but nobody really cares because in L.A. they got so many sports. They got basketball, which is king, because you got the Lakers, and then you know you got the hockey team, then you got your. Um, baseball team the Dodgers which is like probably the second biggest team out in LA and then now you got the Rams which you also have the LA uh you got the Rams now and then you got the the Chargers so you got two football teams in one city so you have to pick a choice you know what I mean you have to pick a side and plus you have Oakland (laughs) yeah well had the Oakland Raiders but (laughs) (laughs) so so I have to ask you this question because we're talking about that draft and you know the quarterbacks from it 
if Eli Manning and Philip Rivers are not traded for each other because Eli Manning's not mm-hmm. a giant baby, who has a better career? Well, yeah. Philip Rivers in New York. Philip Rivers, hands Manning down. Eli Manning in San Diego. Philip Rivers, hands down. Because it's a bigger media market, he had had the most exposure, and plus he would have had the weapons that Eli uh, Eli had for those years. So hands oh, down, yeah. it would have been Philip Rivers. You know what I mean? It would be hands down Philip Rivers, in my opinion. Give him Plaxico Burris, uh, you know all those. Oh my God! Yeah. Had. Yep. Yeah, oh, I agree. Because Philip Rivers didn't have any of those weapons out in San Diego. Like I said, he had Antonio Gates and he had Ladanian Thompson. Those were the two biggest names he had. Name a receiver from any of those years besides Keenan Allen. Like, he recently got Keenan Allen, and then his numbers started skyrocketing, and people started taking notice. And it's only after they moved to L.A. had people started taking notice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the fu- funny thing is you're talking uh, – you were also talking about good quarterbacks taking that draft. At pick 22, the Buffalo Bills selected J.P. Losman. That's <laughs> – Womp, yeah, womp, it was. Womp. Yeah, it went from <laughs> super Hall of Famers to like, who the hell? <laughs> yeah, three Hall of Famers in the first round, and who the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's gonna be the answer to a trivia question. But then in the third round, Atlanta took Matt Schaub, so they got it back on track. Yeah, Matt Schaub wasn't a bad quarterback. It's just no, he's had a. Decent he didn't have career. enough weapons. He, yeah, he didn't have a decent wide receiving set as as well in Atlanta in that in those uh, time periods. But it's it is what it is. <laughs> yep, exactly. What draft class was that? Two thousand four draft class. I'm gonna kind of look it up. Two thousand four. Because yep. there are some players that came out of that class. But anywho's. <laughs> but yeah, so to kind of like, kind of uh. Oh, shit. Hold on. Put it all into perspective. The Eagles drafted Andy Hall that year to play quarterback. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Who is he at? Uh, and the Colts <laughs> and the Colts drafted their longtime backup, Jim Sorgi. Oh, uh, well, okay. That kind of worked out, I guess you could say. Yeah. He never played. Yeah, so. <laughs> Larry Fitzgerald came out of that. No, he never did. But Larry Fitzgerald came out of that class, too. Okay. Yeah, that was a pretty good. So draft you got a lot of hall of, yeah, you got a lot of hall of fame cl- uh, players in that draft class, I guess you could yep. say, like first ballot hall of famers. But to get it back on track, I guess the uneven playing <laughs> field, because uh, <laughs> we kind of went off on a tangent there. So eh, keep it, yeah, to keep it with the NFL though. So do you think then is it fair for like teams like the small market teams in the NFL to kind of like? complaining about I don't know what I was going to try to ask that. I had a question but then it just lost me because I was going to talk about Green Bay because like nobody wants to play in Green Bay <laughs> so so what's the question I lost it and that's what I was trying to like trying to get back to it because Green Bay is a small market media right so nobody wants to play there but then you have Aaron Rodgers there for like how long do you think then um do you think it would be fair for like I don't know like what could Green Bay do to get like big name people to come over there? Well, to be fair, I don't think it's in their nature to do big free agent splashes. So you know their ability. Well, they got Charles Woodson the one time. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, there every team has an outlier to what they typically do. You know, there's teams that stick by the we're going to build through the draft. That's just how we do things. We don't hand out big contracts through free agency. We let people walk. You know, there's going to be teams like that. The Steelers are like that. You know, there's teams that get excited for the opening day of free agency. As a Steelers fan, I'm like, whatever. It's just any other day. You know, you know, there's teams that are going to go and spend money in free agency to try to, you know, br- you know, increase their you know, everything, you know, but, you know, to me, <laughs> um, I don't know where I was getting <laughs> to me. There's there's a way of balancing things out. And the NFL draft is that way is supposed to be that way. Um, where supposed to. It's supposed to be. We know it's not, um, but it's supposed to be. It's that way where the teams that struggled have the top picks. But in the day and age now where we're constantly overthinking everything, where we're overanalyzing everything, um, over-testing the players, you're seeing teams constantly make mistakes and constantly be at the top of drafts. And, you know... There, there's people that have said that the best teams should be rewarded with the top picks. You know, I don't necessarily agree with that. My thought is how I would, you know, and this is how I would do it with every sport, is I would kind of do a, a, a reverse draft of sorts. And typically what they do is they take all the teams that didn't make the playoffs and give them the picks, wor- the worst team to the best team of those. I would do it the opposite way. If you're the team that just missed out on the playoffs, I'm giving you the number one pick. You know, if you're the team that won the championship, I'm giving you the first pick after of the teams that made the postseason. You know, I think there has to be a reward for success, but I I don't know what you think. Uh, Okay. I can see where you're going with your thought process, and I kind of agree with it because if you just missed out on the playoff that means you're like a piece or two away from getting from becoming yeah. a better team and you should, right so yeah you, and the ultimate goal should be wanting teams to succeed you know and, and i think you have more of an issue with the same teams picking in the 13 to 17 range than you do in the one to five range no i i really don't have an issue there but to me it's like I don't, well, the NFL, the rules for the draft is, is like it's trying to make your team better. But the salary cap is structured in a way to like not make your team – it's to avoid creating dynasties, right? Because essentially the idea of the NFL is to, to it's for anybody is able to compete with the right set of people, right? But at the same time, you look at the New England Patriots and they're always doing it. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're always doing it with like a mismatch of like people. So do you award them with like the top draft of the pick then? Because they don't really have a star other than Tom Brady, no. essentially. No. You know what I mean? But then you look at teams like the Atlanta Falcons that like they're like a piece or two away. So do you give them a top 10 pick because they're only a piece or two away? So I, I don't know what's the proper way to go about it because if you look at it, it's like the way the NFL designed with the salary cap is to not create dynasties. So if you're a piece of two away, then that means, you know, you, you should be able to get that piece either through free agency or through some other means. You know what I mean? Not through the draft. I think the draft is for teams that really, really suck the way it is right now. If you really suck, you get good plays to try to help your franchise turn around. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, the Browns, for example, they really sucked for, like, decades. And finally, finally, they got something right because they're, like, now they're an up-and-coming exciting team. You know what I mean? So, I, I think it should stay the same the way it is because you have to give the teams that are crappy a way to figure out a way to compete. Do if that you? makes any sense. Do you, though? I mean, it's not like we're dealing with... Um you know, like grade school, where you obviously have kids that are at a disadvantage versus that good point who too. are not. Yeah, these are grown ass men, you know, but yeah, <laughs> these are grown. Yeah, these are grown men that are all intelligent, that all have unlimited amount of money. They're, they're all already well, on a limited even, limited amount of money. <laughs> yes, yes, they they have an unlimited limited amount of money because they're all on an even playing field because of the salary cap. You know, so, Mm -hmm. you know, my opinion is you should reward the teams that are trying to put a competitive product out there. You know, so this year, the team that would, you know, the team that would have had the 20th pick would have had the number one pick and Arizona would have had the 20th pick. New England would have had the 21st pick and the Packers as the worst playoff team would have had the 32nd pick. You just simply take those two groups and flip them upside down. I'm not t- saying take the Super Bowl winner and give them the top pick in the draft. I'm saying of uh, you take the playoff teams and the non-playoff teams and just simply reverse the orders that they're currently in. Because, you know, mm, okay. okay, this year the Steelers would have had the number one pick. You know, okay. so the Steelers were, you know, a couple of head cases away from making the playoffs. You know, so Antonio Brown was your biggest detriment, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You give (laughs) give them the number one pick, or you know, let's even say the team who the Titans—they were the next worst team. Let's say the Titans had the number one pick. You give them another piece, Mm -hmm. that team is gonna start doing business. You know, then all of a sudden, okay, maybe the Giants are that team next year, or maybe the Packers just barely miss the playoffs and they get a number one pick. You know, and Mm -hmm. you know. because ultimately you want to make the playoffs, so you're not going to have teams tanking the last week of the playoffs, the last week of the season, if they could still make the playoffs. Oh, maybe we should lose so we can get the number one pick instead of making the playoffs. You know, you're not going to have any teams, any general manager thinking that. But when you got two wins and someone else has three wins, and you're thinking, oh, we cannot win this game so we can lose the number one pick. No, you're not thinking that. Because now, if you're that team with two wins and someone else has three wins, you're thinking, we got to win this game so we can get that 19th pick instead of the 20th pick. You know, I, I, mean, think, it, I it, think overall, it, 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 it um, helps you want to win. It, it, it influ- uh, influences, I guess. I'm just going to stick with that word. It, it influences winning because, you know, then if you're literally one piece away, you don't have to go out and shell out to a 32-year-old guy that may or may not fit into your system. You're going to instead be able to draft a guy that you could mold into that spot. Like, I mean, like, again, I said the Steelers would have had that number one pick. Imagine a Nick Bosa there instead you know imagine um you know none of these teams really needed a quarterback but like if the denver broncos had gotten that number one pick granted they made their trade the trade with the steelers to get that pick but if the denver broncos were Mm -hmm. picking number one and they take kyler murray instead you know that's an interesting situation all of a sudden or you know yeah any number of things 
Yeah, it still can be an interesting situation, but you know the way it's set up now, it's still interesting as well because they could have still traded up into the number one position. Now, granted, the way that it's set up now, they would have to lose assets to kind of gain that one valuable. It, it all depends about like uh, assessment of risk and reward, right? Do you feel like this number one pick was going to be the key ingredient to your team? So I, I kind of like the way it's set up now because one, it's simpler. It, it's very simple. The worst team gets the first pick try to build a you know winning product and then you know the playoff teams are picking in the middle of the pack so that they can just pick like the best available player at the need that they want uh, you know what i mean so I, I get what you're saying but in the sense it's like the the way it, it, it makes sense right but it doesn't make sense to the salary cap because if they do get that player they would have to pay that player a lot of money now does it fit into their salary cap and then that's the issue then now had you fixed the salary cap then yeah then your way would be perfectly fine but the way that the salary cap is made well, and structured know that. It, it kind of prevents it you know what but, i mean yeah, well but, i know they know that but still yeah, you would have to pay the first that. pick a lot of money though that's yes. the issue it's not like, though, you'd all of a sudden find out. You would know going into free agency that you have the number one pick and you have to, you know, pay X amount of money. And you could turn around that and trade that for assets, you know, different assets. And, you know, you're saying, mm -hmm. you know, that the current system works. I, I can give you 32 reasons why it's not. Because if you look at these teams, if I would give you the last 10 the position of finish the last 10 years for every single one of these teams i'd say there is very little um movement so is it are arizona cardinals really in that much better shape for drafting number one i mean where did they draft last year what about the year number before? one exactly. well no last year they didn't draft number one they uh it, there was in a top 10 pick last year yeah San Francisco 49ers, where have they been drafting recently? In the top, top five. Top five. The Jets. Same thing with the Jets. They've been in the, the top five, top ten. The Raiders. Oh, well, this the Raiders. They suck, but they've always been in the top five. <laughs> Tampa Bay. Top seven. The Giants. Top ten. The Jaguars. Outside of last year, well, the, the Jaguars. Jag Outside of last year, they've been yeah top ten, top fifteen. Detroit Lions. Oh, they're always in the top five. <laughs> Buffalo Bills. Always in the top five. <laughs> Those were the top nine teams in the draft, and then you know, that's the that's what I'm saying. And then your teams from ten to twenty were Denver playoff teams, Denver, yeah. Cincinnati, Green Bay, Miami. Atlanta, Washington, Carolina, Cleveland, Minnesota, Tennessee, Pittsburgh. All teams mm. that are you would have looked at at the beginning of the season as potential playoff contenders. Except for maybe Cleveland. Yeah, that's very true. You know, and then okay. you look at well, and yeah. then you mm -hmm. look at the end of the draft. You had the Patriots, you had the Rams. The Rams are one of those few teams that got out of the top five because they made the correct picks. True. You know, and then you look at New Orleans. <laughs> then you look at Kansas City. You look at the Chargers. You look at Dallas. You look at Indianapolis, Philly, Chicago, Houston, mm -hmm. Baltimore, Seattle. Those are all regular playoff teams, despite picking at the bottom half of the draft, bottom third. How does yeah. that keep happening? Well, you know, they're still, they're like, 
they need a couple pieces, but you, the teams that are always constantly drafting in the top 10, they they truly are the horrible team. So they need the most help. So they need the best players coming but out of college to think- mold and to grow and to help them help the franchise. Well, but then don't you think they would be much better served with a pick later down in the draft? Because you're talking about salary cap there and resources. Don't you think they would be better served with a pick, say, around 15 and be mm-hmm. able to go out and spend? You know, let, I, I, can't, I don't know entirely what the draft bonuses are, but I'm going to guess there is a significant difference between guaranteed salary and bonuses to the number one pick versus the number mm-hmm. 20 pick. You know, and there is. The There's a stark there. difference of like I think thirty yes. percent or something like that. It's ridiculously high, but still, it's like the, I'm arguing for this system to work because here's how I look at it: they they are the worst teams, right? They can go to other teams like maybe a pick or two away that need these things to kind of gain the assets the same, that they need. Those are the teams in the same situation as them because you know look for look at what happened to yeah. You know, but the if they're Red in the Skins. number one pick, that means they they are in the more dire situation than those other teams in the playoffs because that means their team is not competitive at all. So they need all the resources to get. So if they have the number one pick, that's very valuable. You can take that number one pick and trade for two or three pieces. Off another person's team to get that number one pick that they need you know what i mean so that well, team sure. like say the cleveland browns are the number one pick right and they have a shitty team and the arizona cardinals have like you know like a couple hall of fame players on their team now the arizona cardinals might you know offer up a couple of those hall of fame players for that number one pick because now it's like now cleveland has a to. chance to compete well they have a but chance to though that's the thing to, but but they're not going to make that trade because of salary cap penalties. You don't see trading of players in the NFL because of that. If a player has a signing bonus, if a player is owed salary, you know that all counts against your salary cap. Are you going to trade a guy and then basically have to yeah, pay good point for it against yeah, them? Point you know that's that's the big thing there. And you know, let's look at what happened. You know, and okay, I talked about the Rams hitting it and getting out of that yeah. slump. You can also thank the Washington Redskins for getting you out of that spot. If you're a Rams fan, because the Redskins overpaid to move up like one or two slots to take RG3. You know, granted, at the time, did they feel that was the right move? Yes, they did. They felt that was the right move to get their franchise to the next step, but it hurt them in the long run. If Washington is down, incompetent coaching, but but yeah, Washington is down at number 18 or number 19 in that draft instead, I don't think they make that move. You know, and you know, you're talking about. You know, these guys in free agency and everyone always talks about guys in free agency not getting signed, not getting paid what they're worth. Well, you Mm -hmm. know, if you look at the teams that that are going to have to pay a ton of money through the draft. okay, so so if if we go into a free agent market and we see, okay, there's three running backs out there. okay, who Mm -hmm. needs a running back? Arizona needs a running. I'm just I'm just gonna pick out random teams. Arizona needs a running back. Oakland needs a running back. Buffalo needs a running back. Ar- Atlanta needs a running back. Okay, three of those teams are picking in the top nine in the NFL draft. Do you think they're really gonna spend a whole lot of money on a running back when they might need a significant amount for a signing bonus, or they have the option to take a running back high in the draft? You know, or you know, and and then, and that's the thing. You know, if we would compare the signing bonus and the salary that Kyler Murray is going to get versus Dwayne Haskins at number fifteen, it's going to uh-huh. be night and day different. And yep. you know, these teams that are perpetually bad, honestly, I think the reason they're perpetually bad is because they're 
constantly stuck with two or three players taking up a large majority of their con- of their salary cap. Then the salary cap needs to change then, not the draft order. I see I don't know. I mean, I I mean, I, you I don't know. Cuz you just pretty much said that the salary cap is whole, is is, is pigeonholing these teams into holding on to these players that's unnecessary. So then that means that the signing book uh, the 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 salary cap needs to be tweaked, not the draft order. The draft order is what you need to help your team succeed. The salary cap is what's keeping your team together, essentially. So if the salary cap is not working and it's a detriment to it's at a net loss or a net uh a um a net po- negative for the team, then you know, then they have to restructure the salary cap then. Doesn't that make more sense than to just switch out the draft order? It does, but at the same time, you're still going to be forced to, um, you know, pay these salaries. You're going to still have to pay these salaries from the drafts and stuff. You know, look at the Oakland Raiders. They, you know, they made some trades this year that, you know, mm-hmm. people were scratching their heads about with some. Oh, yeah. But they ended uh, up, well, they ended one up major with three one. first round picks. They ended up with three first round yeah. picks. If, if you had to guess, well, if I had to guess, my guess is that Clellan Farrell, Josh Jacobs, and Jonathan Abram are probably making just as much, if not more money, than the players they traded combined. That, that, that would make sense. And so that's a salary cap issue then, not a draft well, position status. But is it? Is it though? Yeah, I mean, it, because now you're slating that all these salary, like these draft picks, are like are worth this much X amount of money, and that X amount of money is a detriment to your salary cap. Then it's a salary cap issue, not a draft position issue. I mean, I I agree, but I don't agree at the same time because I feel, you know, especially when teams are locked into spending a certain amount. Basically, they're saying, okay, you suck. You're forced to pay a college kid this much money now. Oh well, sorry do better next year well yeah so that's that's a salary cap issue then because now you you're using the draft kit uh you're using the draft as a uh a monetary equal uh evaluator of what this kid is worth which i don't think is right i think in the salary cap is like you should earn well let me see let me rephrase this i think the salary cap should be towards the players that deserve it not the potential you're not paying a kid on based on his potential screw that you should play a, a player based on what he actually gives a team so that's why i think personally the first contract should not be a guaranteed contract it should be like one of those slotted rookie deals it's just like okay you're a rookie we're going to give you three years to see where you at and then we're going to restructure your deal for that second contract because i was watching a lot of um undisputed because i love shannon sharp and skip bayless's chemistry together right and uh shannon sharp said something very interesting the other day where your position in the draft should not dictate how much money you should get. You should be working towards that second contract because it's easy to get that first one. It's that second contract that's worth, that is hard to get because that is based on your performance on the field. So a lot of these rookies, if they coming in, they should be like, okay, I should take, you know, this is how much money we're going to give you. There should be like a rookie, a rookie cap, right? You're going to come in, you're going to make X amount of money as a rookie. It's going to be two, three years to see where you pan out. And then if you're worth it for the second contract, then we'll negotiate your second contract. And if you're not worth it, then we let okay. you go. No penalties in, involved. So to me, it's all of a salary cap issue, not a draft position issue. Well, but then I, I, I bring this issue then to you <clears throat> too, where um, if you're not drafted in the first round or even in Mm -hmm. the top half of the first round you know 
what happens then? Like, what are you even worth? You know, and, and, and that's well, the big thing. And that's why you have holdouts and stuff because, you know, well, yeah. I'm looking at contract round value. If you fall, you know, your first round is worth anywhere from 10 million to 35 million. Your second round yeah. is worth anywhere from 4 million to 7 million. Uh, your third round is worth anywhere from 3.3 million to 4.2 million. So not much variation there. And your fourth okay. round for s- through seventh round is worth anywhere from 2.5 to 3.3 million. So once you fall out of that second yeah. round, there's really not a whole lot of variation to it. That being said, you know, if, if you become a first round caliber talent in a year or two after the draft, you are significantly underpaid. And, you know, that to me is a problem. My thought is, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying to an extent. Mm-hmm. I Do I feel like these players should be paid what they are on their first contracts? Yeah. And, but do I think the years should be as long as they are? No. Um, no. I, I, I think there needs to be some sort of balance where, you know, as a rookie, your, your, your contract... I'm trying to think because there's so many double-edged swords to this that, you know, you can't say make it year by year because, you know, oh, your first round pick didn't work out the first year. All right, cut them. You know, you should be tied in for a certain amount of time, Mm -hmm. but after a certain amount of time, you should be almost required to change it up because, you know, if you're drafted in the second round and become a star – there's no reason you should only be making two million when someone who is drafted on your team in the first round completely busts and is making five yeah. times the, the amount you are. Yeah, I, I totally get that, and honestly, I think it's. I, I personally just say that the the whole salary cap needs to be restructured. Personally, and that's just my opinion on that. But because how many times have we seen many fourth, fifth, like you know, fourth round and later draft picks come out to be Hall of Famers? I mean, Shannon Sharp is one. Tom Brady is one that you could think of. Bruce Smith was an undrafted free agent, and he's Antonio. A, you know, Brown's he's in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, Antonio Brown, as much as he talks his lot and as uh, much as people don't like him, he's going to be a <laughs> Hall of Famer. Um, you know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of these players that just comes in undrafted or later draft rounds that, you know, become superstars. So that's why I'm saying, I think personally, three to three to four years should be the max on a rookie deal. Three to four years, because that's usually how long it takes to see if a player is going to pan out. Because your first year, you're a rookie, right? You don't know what the heck is going on. Second year is an adjustment period. Third year is your productive period. Because that's when you're supposed to be like, okay, you had enough time in the league. You're doing this as a professional. You should be now seeing results. And then your fourth year is when you boom or bust, in my opinion. So I think there should be two to three, like three to four year contracts, not like these five, six year deals that they're doing with the option on the fifth and, you know, all these nonsense, crazy stuff. Except for running backs. Running backs should be a little bit different because they, they, they take a lot of beatings in their career and their shelf life is a very, very short. I think a running back should have like a two-year deal and then you reevaluate and reassess after the, the uh, third years and on. And that's how I, I think they should restructure that in my opinion. But that's just one man's opinion. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. And I like the three-year estimate there because, you know, year one, you're getting the <coughs> system down. Year two, you're, you know, yeah. you should be starting to grasp it. Year three, you know, that's, you know, sink or swim time, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I 
See, I don't know if it's necessarily a salary cap thing either because it's simply, you know, if you if you have the number one pick three out of five years, you're mm-hmm. paying $23.5 million in signing bonus alone three years. That's very true. So, you know. Okay, then... That, that's a then lot. the whole system needs to be switched up. Yeah, that is a lot well, to tie into I mean, a rookie that you don't know what's going to happen. But granted, it's a lot better than what it used to be. That's you a good know, point too. <laughs> you know, remember what it used to be, where you know, team, remember the Mario Williams Reggie Bush draft. That was simply a, oh my god, you know, yeah. Mar- Mario Williams got drafted because he would take less of a signing bonus. That's very true. Yeah, that's why he got drafted was number like, one. Reggie was oh, like, I'm shit. taking this amount of money. You know, that's that's what happened there. I want and the max. And yeah. I don't blame Reggie Bush either. <laughs> yeah. You you don't want that to happen again. So I, I like that it's, you know, sort of penciled in. But if you're looking mm-hmm. if you're if you're that if you're a team that has, you know, a top five pick, you're guaranteeing twenty nine to thirty five million to a player, you know, You've got to find somebody at a position that is worth that amount of money. And that's why I think you have so many teams in those positions year after year because they have to reach to take what is the quote-unquote sexy pick. Because no longer can you say, um, you know, we're going to take that offensive tackle number one and give him a $20 million signing bonus because, you know, he's going to help our team in the future. Well, now you're going to have to take that tackle at number one and pay him, you know, low quarterback money, you know, just because that's how the system is, you know, and and that to yeah. me is a problem. Well, it is a problem, but, you know, it's one of those problems that, you know, that the NFL can kind of easily switch it up on, but they don't want to. Um, I guess in the next bargaining agreement that they have, they're going to kind of address some of these issues because a lot of these rookies are getting paid top dollar and not performing. They're not getting the value of the draft status, I guess you could say. Well, that's so, because that's they're issue, being, in my teams are being forced into a spot, you know. Well, that's so, true, too. Like the Arizona Cardinals, they just paid, you know, two different quarterbacks massive signing bonuses over two years because, you know, they didn't like how the first one panned out. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> people, well, I, I can't even say they didn't like how they panned out. They didn't give it enough time, and people are on their case to, you know, you've got to improve. You know, and that and that's a problem too. There's not enough time being given to these teams to see if the pick was ultimately worth it. Well, yeah, that's true too. So I, I guess these teams got to be more deliberate with how they're using their stuff. So yeah, I mean, to well, well, making these picks, I should round, say. Yeah, I mean, spending back-to-back first-round picks on quarterbacks, especially high first-round picks, that kind of seems foolish to me. It is foolish, in my opinion. It is very foolish. But at the same time, you know, I don't know. It, it, it is You're using max amount of money to, like, you know, to... to you're using max amount of money to put on a player you don't know how it's going to... You know what I mean? How they're going to perform. So, to me, that's kind of... It's one of those things It's just, like... I don't know how you explain it, but it's like it, it's a risk reward that uh, that doesn't make any sense in my opinion. So yeah. I, I that's why I always argue that it's a you know you have to restructure the salary cap a little bit to kind of give 
teams and players the flexibility to do what they need to do, in my opinion. I think the salary cap should be more towards the veterans instead of the rookies because you don't know what the rookie is going to bring. So you know what the veterans are going to give you because they've been on your team, they've been there, they've been producing. So whether you want to keep them, that's on the team or whatnot, you know what I mean? And I don't know. It, it, to me, it's just it, it's one of those things It's just like teams need to be a little bit more progressive and deliberate in how they restructure these things and i get on the players and they need to make their money and i don't i don't blame these rookies at all take your money and run bro because the nfl is going to use you and abuse you to their means and then you know when they're done with you they're done with you so take your money and run that's how i look at it but at the same time if you want a good product out there and you don't want to overpay for these players these you know these are shrewd businessmen essentially but they're making rookie mistakes <laughs> Yeah, ironically. <laughs> Ironic. You see what I'm saying? I'm just like, these are shrewd businessmen who made billions of dollars, but yet you're running this, you're, you're making rookie mistakes in these, you know, uh, investment uh, thingies. So it, it's truly ironic in in any sense. But anywho's, I don't know. I, I Personally, I think the rookie structure, the rookie cap should be restructured. So that means it's a salary cap restructuring that needs to be done. Not necessarily a draft pick. Although I see your points in the draft pick, but I think mostly... Um, the rookie, uh, the draft thing. I don't know. You have some good points on yours. I'm starting to see the light a little bit. So that way it's a little bit less, you know, financial burden on these teams. But at the same time, they need to restructure the contracts or the, the salary cap to kind of make the draft pick not so much of a burden. And, you know, they can kind of play around and build a team that's necessary that they can build. Yeah, I mean, the difference in total value between the number one and number 20 pick is $35 million versus Jesus Christ. 12, $12 million. Jeez. <laughs> so, so, I mean, Jeez. if you're the worst team and you're picking 20th instead, you've got another $22 million of cap flexibility. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't hurt you as much. So, yeah. Exactly. So I, I think they need to, yeah. So they need to restructure the salary cap then. And maybe possibly you know, but, the draft. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that makes the most sense because ultimately I think, you know, if you look at any other sports leagues in the world, mm -hmm. do any of them reward losing? Or is just America um, the only people that do? I think America is the only people that do, personally. I don't Why? know. Why? Why? <laughs> I don't, do we, I don't do, get it do either. Do we need to... Do we need to constantly give these teams fans false hope and, you know... Like yeah, that's essentially what it is because you're trying to sell hope to the fans. And I'm telling you, hope is the most dangerous product to sell because it'll make you do dumb things. I mean, I guess they, <laughs> I mean, I guess they can't sell free agency to fans, so they might as no, well they try cannot. to sell the draft. But I yeah, because it's like you're selling hope, any, essentially. Well, is the draft going to get lower ratings if it shows up with, you know, the Steelers drafting number one this year instead of Arizona? No. Nah, because no. football has transcended into something bigger in America. It has be surpassed uh, baseball as America's pastime. So, I, I, I mean, think football. You ahead. know, if anything, I think these teams that are on the verge of the playoffs, drafting at the top of the draft, I think would actually gather more ratings. If, I think if so. I'm being well, quite quite honest. Yeah, in that aspect of things, I see where you're coming from in a ratings perspective and a fans perspective. It makes sense total sense because you know it gives the fans like oh snap we only one or two players away we got the number one pick i right, we need this player and i see that but you know we're in a system that we reward losing where the losers get the number one pick to try to build a better team Trust so me crazy. i don't know <laughs> yeah it Trust is what it is <laughs>
Yep. <laughs> it is. I, weird, I just don't understand why we're obsessed with why we're obsessed with um, rewarding losing and all star games. Well, yeah. Well, all star games is a whole nother <laughs> can of worms. You can. I, I don't. I don't. I like all. I like the concept of all star games, but the 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 execution. Twenty years of it, ago, maybe. Yeah, I like the concept of it, but the execution of it is whack. But it is what it is. <laughs> I still like the. I still liked our concept for the NBA All Star Game. Yeah, same here. Same here. I, I think that it's a little bit better than um. Than what the current model is, but it is what it is though. Because I just look at it as it's one of those things that like I don't know how to go about explaining it. But All Star Games needs to be a little bit more fun. It's just like you throw a bunch of stars out there and they don't give a damn and they just do whatever they do yeah if they would have had something to play for it'd be pretty cool but yeah with that being said i guess we could just go ahead and wrap this bitch up and uh that was that was pretty fun it did not seem like you know the time has yeah (laughs) time has flown so i i I really had fun doing this and so you know is sports going to be ever fair no there's always going to be some kind of unequal force that comes into it whether guys want to be girls and go compete as a woman or girls trying to compete against the guys it or teams that just tank for you know the number one draft pick or salary caps preventing teams from doing whatever they need to do there's never going to be an equal playing field in sports but the best thing we can do is just try to look at the hypocrisy of it all and just point it out and then make sure that it doesn't happen so that's just how i look at that so i don't know if you got anything else you want to say uh you could go ahead Nope, I agree. You know, the it, sports are never going to be completely equal. I don't know why people insist on trying to make them be, whether that's a loser picks first draft, you know, that, it, you know, it, it drives me, you know, it drives me crazy. You know, it's, I, I'm not saying, you know, the, the wealthier need to get more wealthy, but I'm just saying, you know, we don't always have to do, oh, you know, if you're worst, you're first, you know, and yeah, you know, exactly. Stuff. You know, and, and that's basically what it is. It's like saying, you know, oh, you had the worst grade in the class. Oh, you know, what? I'm just going to give you this free A. How about that? You know? Yeah. No. That's, ba- that's exactly. basically how our draft system goes. You know, you know, I, I'd much rather say, you know, okay, you're the worst team. You know, you get an extra $5 million to spend this year. Screw the salary cap. You know, maybe set, you know, a, a general number and say, okay, the more success you have, the less money you have to spend. Okay, maybe not say the less money you have to spend, but, you know, okay, you're not having as much success. All right, time to spend more money. You know, and I, I really think they need to come down harder on baseball teams for that because there there's too many teams that are spending not enough money in baseball. Mike Trout just got a, you know, a four. <laughs> hundred some million dollar contract yet the pirates have gone down in payroll over the last 10 years <laughs> you know something about that seems messed up there's teams that are going down in payroll where you know mike Trout's salary is half of their team's payroll there's something yeah. not right with that you know these owners exactly. have plenty of money you know you don't own an mlb franchise if you're poor you know that's very so true it's n- there's no such thing as small market in ma- in major league baseball your owner they have money. They just don't want to spend yeah. it. You know? And that's the thing. Exactly. Don't well, show up. 
don't line their pockets. If they're not going to spend it, don't line their pockets. And that, you know, I think baseball is perfect in that way because the players are paid what they're, what they're earned, what they're worth, you know, to an extent. Uh, you know, I think some of the high contracts are a little out of hand. Um, basketball has the best equity amongst the players where, you know, X, yeah, that's true too, but X all... amount of the money goes to them. You know, which is yeah, good. that's true too. You know, but basketball only has fifteen players per roster, so well, yes. <laughs> but I, I would like to see a way, a, a certain way where you know, baseball has revenue sharing and different programs as it is with that. With you know, money gets tossed around from the Red Sox to teams like you know, from mm-hmm. the Red Sox and the Yankees are paying money every year to the Tampa Bay's to those sorts of teams. Why? so that they can pocket it, so their owners can pocket it? No. You know, my thought is, you know, you've got to stop some of that and force these teams to spend some money to improve their teams. That's the only way that things are going to happen. You know, if you have a crappy NFL team, start spending some freaking money, you know, and my, you know... (laughs) You know, that, that's where I don't like the salary cap, but I think it needs to be there because if not, teams like the Patriots and some of those teams are just going to get better. Teams like the Warriors are just going to get better. You know, some of those teams are just going to constantly get better if you get rid of the salary cap, but they're already good. You need to find a way. If you have a bad franchise, it's bad because you made it bad. Find a way to make it better. You're better than this owner's. <laughs> and on that note we'll catch yep. you on the next episode <laughs> guys at roundtable i'm vlad he's andy peace peace that's all for today's show join us next week as we once again take a seat at the table thanks for listening <laughs>